Jaguars Digital. Jaguars, Jaguars Digital. Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sexton. John Osher. Ashlyn Sullivan. Jaguars Drive Time starts right now. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Jaguars Drive Time. On what looks like a nice morning starting out here in North Florida. Anticipating more rain and some storms today. Folks, be careful out on the roads. Here we go. Ready for a Tuesday post-free agency. Lots to cover in today's Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton along with my partner John Osher. Ashlyn Sullivan will be wrong in just a moment. Um, boy, free agency came and went fast. I mean, the, the new negotiating period that they start with on, uh, they started last week on Monday with it. By the time we got to Wednesday and it actually started, it was open for business. Everything was about done. Well, it seems like in the last couple of years, it sort of goes in fits and starts whether or not teams feel the, you know, a freedom to go ahead and get the deals done during the negotiating period or if they sort of give more credence to the deadline and it happens the next day. But whatever the pattern is over the last uh, five or six years, it's gotten to the point where it pretty much comes and goes in about a three-day period because there is such pressure for teams and such an urgency to get what they need to do done. And the agents certainly take advantage of that, of, of, of the panic, uh, the ability to, to at least create something of a seller's market. So, yeah, it, it goes fast. And there are teams that, that still firmly believe do not get involved in that first day and a half because you're going to overspend. I think but the those Jack- teams are fewer and further between. Yeah, I mean but even the Packers who were long. Well, the Packers have changed. Well, I know they've got a new general. Well, Ted manager. Thompson was that guy. Well, but you know, some some organizations have an organizational philosophy, right. not one driven by. There, the organizational philosophy was Ted Thompson. Well, it, true. So, yeah, so it's changed there now. It, it's changed, and it'll be interesting. Uh, f- fans love to see their organization active right now. Uh, historically, the great percentage of the time, they don't love as much in October what they did on these two days. The amazing thing about the Jaguars, Brian, we've talked about it a lot, is the number of hits and the amount by which they have turned their organization around via free agency. It's easy for us from our uh, perspective to look at it and say, boy, free agency's changed now. It's a much better thing. Well, it's been great for this team, but I don't know that league-wide, if you're still not going down a bad road when you spend this much on, you know, second – uh, usually second-tier, second-hand players during free agency. That's usually what you get. Well, and obviously one of the reasons that it's become better for this team, because it wasn't great at some point, they've drafted well. And the draft and free agency have worked together. We've got big things. Time to bring in Ashlyn Sullivan. Lots of talk on both free agency and the draft. A very busy free agency period for the Jaguars, Ashlyn. Absolutely. It was a fun day. It felt like a normal day in the season. It was cool. So how about big things? Big things. Right, right. First, I'm going to start looking at the division for free agency-wise. It was pretty busy, at least for two teams. Houston Texans, they signed three offensive linemen. The priority there was protecting their injured quarterback, Deshaun Watson. No doubt about that. Titans, big money. Cornerback Malcolm Butler and running back Deion Lewis. Quality over quantity there. And then a basically whisper-free free agency for the Colts. Man, they really didn't do anything, guys. No, and, and one of those teams that organizationally has never been involved... 
early in the big-name free agency, the big-dollar free agency, is Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. You look at the division as a whole before we drill down a little bit more on this franchise. uh, Both Houston and Tennessee appear to have gotten better. Yeah, and uh, again, it's so difficult to say because you don't know how these guys will actually pan out. I liked the Deion Lewis acquisition for Tennessee. You liked Malcolm Butler for Tennessee. Um, It all makes sense. And again... What comes down to it in free agency is you have a very short time to actually have these parts fit. The remarkable thing about the Jaguars last year was the speed with which Clayus Campbell, Barry Church, and A.J. Boye fit was off the charts remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. So in Houston, those guys have to fit and become a cohesive offensive line very quickly. There's no reason to think they won't, but... On paper, they got better, and I always wait to see if it actually happens in fact. So this team needed to get better, right? I mean, not just for a couple of areas, but because the division was going to get better. This team, the Jaguars. Yeah, the Jaguars had to be active against both a Tennessee team with, I think they had $70 million, and a Titans team that had nearly that much, and they were going to go dive into the pool. It sure seems like, though, and people are going to say, well, he's biased, he's here. The moves the Jaguars made fit them more concretely for today, right? Adding Andrew Norwell takes a strength and makes it stronger. Mm-hmm. You can point to that because he was first-team All-Pro, right? They needed a tight end. Well, it seems like they got one of the best ones who was available in free agency. They needed to improve at receiver. Well, they bring Marquise back, who they have a lot of confidence in, and they go grab Dante Moncrief on a deal that makes sense for this team. I don't want to grade him. You know, the Jaguars were the A, B, C, sure. but it sure looks like this team stayed in front of the rest of the division based on free agency. Well, it's it's difficult to say overall that, boy, they improved their roster in free agency because I think Aaron Colvin was a big part of the defense, and Allen Robinson obviously is a very good player. What they did do was they certainly defined who they are. Yeah, they played I mean, to their strength. So they wanted to get better. They didn't feel like the offensive line was as strong in fact as it was on paper. So they wanted to get better where, you know, if you want to uh, verbal or if you want to know how to play on the field, they want to be able to run in the second half against New England when they couldn't. They believed that was a huge deficiency. They also, as you know, believed the special teams was a real deficiency, and they really wanted to get better there. The guys they sign in special teams are often overlooked in free agency. You may wind up seeing more of a tangible benefit from those four players, meaning it, I include the re-signing of McCray yesterday, then you actually do anything else. I think, I think they'll have a huge advantage. They clearly knew what they wanted to do there. So I think they wanted to get better in maybe non-sexy ways. Offensive line, special teams don't really excite people the way A-Rob and Aaron Colvin do. They wanted to get better where they believed they needed to get better. So I think they think they're better, even though some people observing well, may give them minus off because of losing A-Rob yeah, and Colvin. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I... I A-Rob's a nice player. I don't think anybody in this room thought he was a 1A. No. Right? Uh, Aaron Colvin, a nickel slot. But when you improve your defense and when you restrict your salary s- solutions, your ability right. to, you know, because of what you want to do with Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and, and uh, Yannick Ngakwe in the future, some guys have to go. It's the well, cost, they had to do it, it's but the you still can't make good. the case they got better when Colvin was well, you know, secondary. I, I'll tell you why I think they did. Because they invested in Leonard Fournette. And they have to be able to take advantage of his skills now. Right. So you bring in an all-pro guard to the number one rushing offense. Oh, overall they got better. But well, in right. the secondary, well, you but can't hold make on. the case they got well, better. But, but hold on. But look, 
They couldn't protect the defense last year in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. They had a 10-point lead in New England. They couldn't protect it. And Tom Brady threw the ball at will. Third down and 18, threw the ball to the back of the end zone. Plays the Jaguars made early in the mm-hmm. year last year with Jalen Ramsey and the best secondary in football. Right. They weren't the best secondary in football in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game because the offense couldn't protect them. Right? Couldn't protect right. him against an elite quarterback. So I do think they got better in the secondary by virtue of the fact that that offense should be able to grind the meat, run the ball, and control the tempo. They protected their strength. If you look at it that way, they I do look at it that secondary. way. I think that's a logical right. way to look at it. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. So you let a, a wide receiver and a, and a defensive back go in an era where the passing game is so vital it's mm-hmm. the, it's it's the lifeblood of the league but these guys are saying that's not our lifeblood right our personality is run the ball and play defense and they got a lot better in that respect if andrew norwell is what they say he is well, he i have no be. reason well, i have no reason to believe <laughs> right. he's not right then he yeah their running the game uh it sets up everything yeah they need to be able to run in the middle much better than they did last yep. year if they're better there, they're better everywhere. It's how they've built their team. All right, we've got much more to come. More big things, more Ashland Sullivan and Ozone Snapshot ahead on a Tuesday morning edition of Jaguars Jags Drive Time. I won't say Jaguars Drive Time. Either way, it both both of them fit. Back after this. Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards. And see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time on this Tuesday morning. Here with big thing number two, 37 days until the NFL draft. Now now that free agency is over, what are we looking for in the draft? Tight end, offensive line, wide receiver, all addressed during free agency, but that doesn't mean they're not addressed during the draft. It's all about depth here, guys, and you still need to focus on that, as well as a backup quarterback. That definitely needs to be addressed. So, uh, 37 days, as you mentioned, until the first round of the draft, and the Jaguars, they strengthened themselves in, in another sense, and that is is they wanted an offensive lineman, a tight end, and a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They got them all in free agency. So they're in a strong position now, to sit there at 29 and take the best player available. Maybe it's the best of those three spots again, but they don't have to say, we don't have a great grade on Will Hernandez. We think he's a second rounder, but we don't think he'll be there when we pick at 60. Take him. They absolutely, and uh, Dave Caldwell has tried to do that the last two or three years, Get it, and all GMs do. Get your depth chart to the point where you can play the season without the draft, because... You never know, first of all, how much rookies are really going to contribute, even if he, and I think Miles Jack, you know, very good second year player, uh, wasn't quite ready to contribute on that level 
as a first-year player, so you don't want to be going into the season depending on that guy typically, with the exception of a Leonard Fournette, Jalen Ramsey, top five. But uh, they're picking 29, so you don't necessarily know they're going to have a, a, a huge contribution. More to your point, I absolutely think they've set themselves up to where in this draft they could go wide receiver, they could go interior line, they could go tight end. I still think all of those still make a lot of sense because you filled holes at those spots. But if if they love a wide receiver, um, you've got Moncrief for only one year. Most of their wide receivers right now are short-term deal-type guys or rookie contracts. There is certainly room at that position. There's room on the offensive line. There's room at tight end. There's room at a lot of places. Well, where what, if, what if one of those doesn't fit, right? What if the receivers are gone and it's too high for them? What if the offensive linemen don't fit? What if there's a linebacker there? Paul Puzlesny just retired. Now, yeah. I, know you, I, I don't know, love linebacker. I totally get in the it. First round, but at 29, right, you can take the best player available. And while it doesn't seem to make sense that that player for this team would right. be on the defensive side of the ball because they filled those needs, they right. don't have to pass on value if there's a guy there that they love. A couple of intriguing spots to me. I, I don't think they would do this, but a defensive line is interesting because. They're going to have to let some of these veterans go at some point, you would think. So if if, if they love a defensive lineman in the top at the round, and I, I don't know the name that it would be, right. but I'm saying in theory— If someone slides. The way they have their contracts set up, they are not going to be in quote-unquote cap hell because the contracts are set up to where all of the dead money is not going to run up into a certain year. They'll be able to get out of that stuff. But getting out of it means losing the player. Sure. So if you're going to maintain what they've built, it has to be done more through the draft in the future going forward. And I also wonder a little bit, you know, I can't imagine they would do this, but I wonder about running back because they've got Leonard Fournette. Right. And if they want to be this incredible dynamic running team, Look at New Orleans last year. Look at, you know... Um, Alvin Kamara was picked not far from 29. Yeah, I mean... High in the second it, round. It feels like it would be more of a second and third round thing. Right. But if you trade back, if you get a quarterback, if you get a team that, that, that wants to get in for quarterback, you just wonder as running game centric as they're going... Well, you have to have another. They have they to take a... They would think that that was the option. And it, it sort of makes sense. I think they'll go that route. I'm thinking more and more they'll go that route in the first four rounds. Okay. You wonder if it's going to be first. I don't think so, but maybe. Well, and besides the fact that, and we've talked about this, you don't necessarily think you're going to get a full season out of Leonard Fournette. His right. running style is not conducive to starting 16 regular season games, and you want him healthy for a postseason stretch. You only have one more year with T.J. Yeldon, right. right? And so you're going to have to invest in and we're leaving out backs. Corey grant i get a lot of emails about Corey grant but he's such a multi-purpose threat they love Corey grant but i don't think you would see Corey grant in a 15 carry a game role over an over a long-term stretch uh, seven or eight i could be wrong on that but right so people would have liked to have seen a few more in the afc championship game without question you'd like to see it but i don't know if going into the season you're going to have your depth chart saying this is a guy who's going to be a starting running back for three games for us. I don't know if he's that level in their minds. Well, so that's just another way that I see how the Jaguars won free agency. It gave them a chance at 29 to do what they wanted to do and not panic. And by the way, the Jaguars got players they wanted. There are some teams like the Jets, stories coming out of New York, guys mm-hmm. they targeted, and they had the most cap room when training or when training camp, when free agency opened, and they didn't get that many guys. Right. So, I mean, the Jaguars... 
It's not easy to go and put your list together and then go get those guys. Credit to their effort with Dave Caldwell leading the way that they were able to target the guys they wanted and then go actually get them. Well, the striking thing was the way they got Norwell. They basically let Norwell set the market. Uh, they let other teams set the market, and they, and, and they kind of snuck in and got them later. Uh, they were not the leaders in the clubhouse until the very end on him, and then they got the guy they wanted. So uh, not a story that we were telling about this franchise four years ago. Ashton, you just signed on with us full-time. I did, um, yes. Smaller contract to them. I was just about okay. to ask you, I mean, <laughs> how many other offers did you have to fight off? Uh, did the Jaguars have to fight off to pull you in? I wouldn't say many. Okay. Not going to lie. You know what I thought was cool, though? We were interviewing all of these free agents, and you just talked about why they chose Jacksonville, and a bunch of them mentioned how they chose Jacksonville because they wanted to win. They wanted to contend for a Super Bowl. Andrew Norwell said just that, and I know, guys, that didn't happen last season. You know, Calais Campbell came in and talked about it, Uh, but Jody Camillus told me that when they were going after special teams coordinator Jody Camillus, when they were going after some of these targeted special teams free agents mm-hmm. last year they lost out on some of them because those guys are looking for places they can go yeah. and win because they're going to make no matter where they go their contracts are all going to be relatively the same a Laurente McRae who comes in makes a million million and a half well I mean that's what an Audi Cole gets that's what mm-hmm. what the special team Don Carey right you go look at Cody Davis same contract so they are going to go and try to find places where they can win and, and in the course of last year they made it so those guys, Don Carey, Cody Davis, right. came here this year. I'm glad you made that point because, yes, it has an enormous influence over guys at that level. Andrew Noel signed for the money. Oh. <laughs> so, so when you yeah. sign for $13 million, and it's, it's fantastic. He's here. And, and, and Florida. No question and having a chance to win makes it more appealing. But when you're at the highest, highest level, the money has much more to do with it. But absolutely, a guy like Don Carey, a guy like Cody Davis – when those guys are looking around, when you're at that level, and for a guy like Don Carey, at that stage of his career with a couple of years left, then you are talking more, where do I have a chance to win? And that matters in terms of depth and special teams. Speaking of where is there a chance to win, back to Ashland for Big Thing 3, Ashland. Yes, Big Thing 3, the formula. The formula is set and moving forward in 2018. Now you ask what the formula is. That is a dominant defense and a run-heavy offense. Nothing solidifies that more than the addition of Andrew Norwell and a few more offensive weapons that they got in free agency, guys. You know, so the formula last year, Ashland, was run the ball, play defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense delivered. Right with the takeaways and the touchdowns, this year I, I wonder if how it changes from today. Right, so if is the formula exactly the same, or do you look at it and say you got ninety nine percent starts from your defense, you can't count on seven touchdowns again, and the formula becomes more, yeah, run the ball and throw it short to the tight ends. I mean, you you, you see them drafting one right? right, and they bring in Austin Safari and Jenkins, and I've I've used the analogy before. Patriots in 11 and 12 when they had Hernandez and Gronkowski on the field together and they were such a matchup nightmare for teams. I'm wondering if that isn't a tweak to the formula this year that makes everything go. The tight end I think uh, will be a tweak to the formula. When I think about what the Jaguars did, I think about what my dad used to say when I would make a mistake. You make mistakes? He'd look at me and go, well we're down that road now. (laughs) Well and you know certainly with the signing of Norwell when you look at it, you think, boy, they're down that road now. Now, for the Jaguars, I think it's a positive. And they are down the road of w- when you go to Norwell and you let Robinson go, you are if – you, if you didn't say it last year with the way you played, you're saying it, this is how we are going to be. But I agree with what you – and, and, and uh, we've talked about this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. 
you do see them maybe going more and more tight end centric, trying to be more of an offense that can incorporate the tight end, which is why I, th- I think they're done with tight end free agency, but I don't think they're necessarily done. If something dazzles them in the draft where they can start packaging the tight end in the way the Patriots have done, um, and I'm not saying you're going to find a Gronk, but, but to start going that route, I do think that that makes sense. And just the way Blake Bortles plays, if they can figure out a way to get to that, um, then I think you'll see more of it. I, it. It's not a guarantee right now that what you have on the roster or what you can draft will allow you to get to that, but I think it's an appealing avenue for them. All right, more to come here on Jags Drive Time on a nice Tuesday in Jacksonville. When we return, Ashlyn John, Ozone, Snapshot is next. What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. Happy to have you back with us on Jags Drive Time. Let's do some ozone snapshots. John from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Has the roster improved since the end of the season? If yes, by how much? Well, and I think we discussed it a little bit, Brian. I think it has improved. Um, I don't think you can look at the roster and not sort of count the fact that Allen Robinson and Aaron Colvin are gone. Um, Although I, the, the Robinson thing I set to the side because he wasn't there last year. Well, it, and that's – I answered this question in text form, and I said that if, if you count Allen Robinson, then perhaps the receiver position got worse. If you don't, then adding Moncrief, getting Lee back in the fold, they certainly added compared to what they were last year. Sure, um, I think the wide receiver uh, position, by the way, is a fascinating position because... Westbrook and Cole are exciting young talents. Yeah, and I don't know that you yet know exactly how they're planning to use those guys. Right. You brought in Moncrief and Lee, they're going to play. Uh, one of those guys, Westbrook and Cole, is going to have a dramatically reduced role from what they had in the playoffs last year. So... That, to me, will be an interesting, an interesting dynamic in how they use those four guys. I think they're better where they want to be better. And I think that's what people observing the team may miss. They, they wanted to be better special teams and offensive line. That was their priority. They made those choices because that's how they're going to play. If you just look at the, at the totality of the depth chart, maybe they sort of broke even free agency. But in the way they want to play, I think they are better. So from a roster perspective, how do they get better on defense? How do they? Well, yeah, it'd be, the guys who are there I, have to improve. Okay. Well, I mean, I get that, but but well, that's a big a, thing when you got young players. No, I I, I totally get right. that. Miles Jack is a guy with great upside. Right. Jalen Ramsey and all of that. 
Um, and, and obviously you bring in DJ Hayden to replace Aaron Colvin and you need him to be good. Um, but from a roster perspective, did they have to spend some of these draft choices on defense? Do they have to bring in young talent on defense? Even though everything suggests it's the offensive side of the ball where you go, boy, don't they have to look at, yeah, look. I get linebacker in the first round, but Puzlesny's retired. You've got Blair Brown. He's hardly proven. If there's somebody sitting there in the first three rounds that is a talent, a value, I think you have to look at that. A young defensive tackle, as you mentioned, maybe a young safety. It's why in the long run, everybody who's clamoring that it's going to be quarterback in the first round because of the moves they made, that's a big theory out there. That makes sense on one level, but what also makes sense is you know you're going to have to have guys on defense who are on this roster this year who aren't on it in 2019. Right. So to prepare for that, it wouldn't be a shock if they drafted safety. It wouldn't be a shock if they drafted defensive line or linebacker. So if they're looking at it long – we'll find out how they're viewing this right. in the draft. Right. If they're looking at it long term, you may see some moves like that. Even though it looks – and Dave said, we're going to try to finish this thing off. Right. They're going to try to finish this thing off this year, but they're still looking to 19 and 20. Well, you hope so. Yeah. Well, it sure seems that's the way that they've gone. What else you got for us, Ashlyn? All right. Let's go with Grant from Jacksonville. When Blake Bortles signed his contract, you seemed certain the Jags had no intention of drafting a quarterback in the first round. After free agency, you certainly might have wavered a bit. Be honest. You know, you're not honest. He's calling you well, a liar, I think, John. Not. Not if I can get away with. Not if I can get away with. We stumped him. If I can get away with dishonesty, I'll always take that route. Um, I've wavered a touch, but is there a chance they could go quarterback at number twenty nine? Yes, only if someone slides to them. Right. Um, That doesn't appear, by the way, happening. Looking at the moves that are being made at the top of the draft. Right. I don't think it would be it. Outside the top four, I don't think it would be Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph at twenty nine. Um, if one of the top four would happen to slide, perhaps, but I think it would, I don't think that's what they're actively planning. And I'm not privy to the draft board, but I don't think they're actively Are you saying, being honest there or? Uh, no, dishonest. Okay. Uh, cause I see it, it, I, I sleep there. Um, but I don't think they're planning a bold move up, if you, if that makes sense. And I, I don't think they're planning for a quarterback to be there at 29. If somebody slides, it makes sense. I still think they will take a best overall approach. If it happens to be quarterback, perhaps. But I I just think it's going to be more interior offensive line. And the more we talk about it, the more I wonder if it's not defense. Well, I go back to placeholder, and that was what Dave Caldwell said Blake Bortles was not. Right. And if that's the case and he's not a placeholder, then this team, unless somebody slides right. all the way to 29, which is not happening, not, um, I – no, I can't see that being their plan. Be a surprise. Yeah, it would be a huge surprise. And I wouldn't be surprised by defense in the first round at all. They are in a position to take the best player available, and that could be a linebacker. Back to you, Ashton. What else you got? Finish this off. All right, let's finish up with Mason here. With the amount of money we will be paying the offensive line this year, is it fair for us to expect them to be able to run against stacked boxes? The Rams game and the Patriots playoff game come to mind with teams selling out on stopping the run. Can I answer this one first? Mm-hmm. They better be able to do that. Yep. That's the whole idea. That's the whole thing. When you went away from receiver, it, when you pay away more well, thirteen million. Well, and when you choose to not go big time, perhaps after a Sammy Watkins, even or Allen Robinson, that's what you decided you are. Well, 
if that's what you decided you are, yes, at some point you have to take people out of the box. But you wanted to get better on the interior because, as Doug said often last year, and so did Nate, um, they believe that there are situations where you have to be able to run against that. And you have to just be able to keep doing and keep doing it. Well, that's why you went and got Norwell. So, yeah. I'm going to use this as my shameless plug. If Orlando Brown is there, draft him. Draft him, put him at right tackle, and grind the meat. That's what yeah. I would do. Right. Yeah. You I mean, heard it here look, first. last week, I, hey, last week, last year I banged the drum. They're going to take Fournette. They're going to take Fournette. Right. I thought they should. Well, apparently they're taking Orlando Brown. Take Fournette. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying I'm right. At number four, you can make that call. At 20, you're saying you're right. No, no, no. I'm being honest in this case. At 29, you can't say that because you don't know who's going to be there. Right. He climbed a bit last week with a right. better, uh, a better showing. He may be gone at 15. Big bodies like that. Quarterback, there's a run. There's obviously a run. Look at teams trying to get in spots mm-hmm. to take quarterbacks now. The next one's going to be offensive tackle. You've got the McGlinchey kid. You've got the, from Notre Dame. Connor Williams from Texas. Colton Miller from UCLA. There's the big kid, the converted tight end at Pitt. Right. You're, you could, you're going to see a run on big guys. It's the old George Young theory, right? There's only so many big guys on the planet right. that move like that. If you're going to take an offensive line Manette, uh, at 29 and think that he's going to be good in a starter level, he's going to have a, a few flaws. If they didn't have flaws, they'd be at the top of the draft. Without a doubt. So that could be a situation that makes sense for them, Orlando Brown, considering he does have flaws that he showed at the Combine. Um, that wouldn't be shocking, but at 29, hey, you never know. We all have flaws. We hope we hid most of ours here to from you this morning. At, we'll try again next week to have that perfect show. It's always difficult. For Ashlyn Sullivan and John Osher, Joe Fortunato, and Mad Max Hockman, this is Jags Drive Time. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Tuesday.